We're in week two of our Advent series, Canticles of Christmas. But the question I need to ask you this morning is, have you ever anticipated something with so much excitement you could hardly wait? I remember growing up being so excited about Christmas and Christmas morning specifically that I try to go to sleep as early as possible. Now remember that there's four kids in our family, hey, and I'm the oldest, so there's Kim and Matt and Kyle after me. So the morning starts were rather early in our house, and uh, we'd wake up, all four of us, because you know when one wakes up, the others also get woken, because that's just how you do it in a big family. And uh, we'd wake mom and dad, normally hop us four or five o'clock, Christmas morning. And I'm pretty sure dad didn't uh, share the same 4.30 a.m. anticipation that Kim, Matt, Carl, and myself shared. But the word that captures the essence of what I'm talking about this morning is hope. And I would hope, when I was little, that mom and dad got the four million hints that I dropped for that new set of Enid Blyton books that I really wanted. Or that Barbie that Kim and I had been begging for, the one with the horse, because we really loved horses. But hope is more than just dreaming about something. Hope is more than fantasy. Hope, by its definition, believes that something will eventually happen. There is a very real expectation of what you hope for coming true. And as you all know, we spend weeks building up to Christmas and our celebration of Christ's birth. And such anticipation is appropriate. It takes much preparation to welcome a new baby. But I do hope that our Advent time of preparation together enables you to celebrate Christmas in a powerful way this year, knowing and experiencing the presence of Christ in new ways. I'm so glad that we've gathered here this morning to continue our worship of God and to look forward to the celebration of our Savior's birth. Because here's the thing, when it comes to having a baby, it doesn't only involve a lot of preparation beforehand, and I found a picture of a baby's nursery that's been decorated for Christmas even, and we all know how much that preparation takes, but there's also a lot of new experiences after the baby is born. I'm sure the parents in the room know what I mean. There are all those firsts that are such a big deal with the new baby. Baby's first photo, baby's first time in the car chair, baby's arrival at home. For many parents, baby's first day at church is important. First time baby is introduced to his or her extended family. And then the more mundane things, baby's first trip to the shop or baby's first time at the family bra, but as it turns out, parents' observance and celebration of their newborns' firsts is a long-standing tradition. Today, it involves some of the things I just mentioned, but 2,000 years ago, the ways parents celebrated their newborns happened in somewhat different ways. In the case of Jewish heritage, there were clearly defined laws regarding the earliest days of a newborn's life. As devout Jews, Joseph and Mary would have followed these regulations closely, and Luke records their diligent observance. And our reading this morning is taken from a portion 
of their religious observance. So we, let's take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 28 to 33. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So a little bit earlier on, just before this section of the passage which we read this morning, Luke tells us that eight days after Jesus was born, his parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus, as was instructed by the angel before he was born. And where we pick up is 40 days have passed since Jesus' birth, and his parents have come to the temple for another first, another rite of passage. Now the visit of the Holy Family to the temple on this occasion actually serves a dual purpose. The first one, Mary is bringing an offering for her rite of purification. According to Jewish custom, after giving birth, women are considered ritually unclean for a period of 40 days, at which time they had to bring an offering to the temple to be declared ritually clean by the priest. The second purpose relates to Jesus. According to Jewish custom, the firstborn male of every household belonged to God. It was expected that they'd grow up, learn the ways of the priests, and serve in God's temple. However, it was possible for parents to bring an offering to, in a sense, buy back the child so that they could grow up and continue the family trade or inherit the family land. So it's this offering that Mary and Joseph have come to make. The normal offering was a lamb, but there was provision made for a poor family. And that is what Jesus' earthly parents bring to the temple. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now the irony of this scene should not be lost on us. First of all, as the mother of the Christ child, divinely conceived, Mary would not have been ritually unclean. Similarly, there was no reason for Mary and Joseph to buy back their son, who was going to spend his whole life serving God anyway, and ultimately by giving his own life as a sacrificial offering, forget the turtle doves or the pigeons. But this tells us a lot about the kind of people that Mary and Joseph were. People who loved and served God with wholehearted devotion. Just the sort of people to raise God's own son. And as they entered the temple, they obviously made an impression. The temple was an extremely busy place. There was only one. It isn't like the Christian church of today where there's one on every corner. When it came to fulfilling many of the ritual obligations, all Jewish people were expected to go to the temple. So all day, every day, there were people in and out hustling and bustling with their animal offerings in tow. There wouldn't be any reason for a poor family with a tiny baby and a couple of small birds to stand out. They would have just been one of many such families there on any given day. But as Joseph and Mary made their way into the temple with the baby Jesus, they immediately draw the attention of a man named Simeon. Now we don't know a lot about Simeon. There is no explanation as to why he was at the temple. Perhaps he was a priest, but that's not mentioned explicitly in Luke's gospel. 
We can guess that Simeon was probably advanced in years. But other than that, all we know for sure about Simeon is what Luke tells us. He was righteous and devout, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Can you bring to your imagine such a man? Perhaps he was retired, maybe he was still working. But with such a promise from God, I suspect he must have made a point each day to head over to the temple for a few hours to watch the people coming and going, eagerly awaiting this day, wondering if today would be the day he would see the Messiah as promised. Then one day, things seem a little different for Simeon. There's a certain electricity in the air. On this day, it's the spirit that drives him to the temple. And then it happens. He sees Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and he just knows. Can you identify with that? Is there anything you've ever longed for or waited for? Something which you know if you could just experience it, you'd know peace once and for all? These are the sorts of things we actively pursue, are they not? Such desires occupy our hearts, our minds, our energies, and they can be the source of great sorrow and extreme joy. And it certainly must have been so for Simeon, because we can so clearly see the amazing joy he experienced when he took the baby Jesus into his arms. Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all your peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. The song of praise now on Simeon's lips celebrates the light and salvation that has come for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. This wizened old man looks into the face of this tiny child and he can see what is to come. He knows because it has long been foretold. And Simeon is so excited that he cries out in essence, Yes! Finally! Alleluia! This is what I've been waiting for. Now I can die in peace. Simeon knows that he holds in his arms not just the fulfillment of the Spirit's promise to him, but the fulfillment of all God's promises to Israel. But Jesus was just a baby, only 40 days old. And still, Simeon knew. It's really amazing how God works. As the great reformer Martin Luther put it, God became small for us in Christ. He showed us his heart so our hearts might be one. God became small for us in Christ. He showed us his heart, so our hearts might be one. Babies wield a kind of power. Muscular men with calloused hands become gentle as pillows when handed a baby. And potent people with gruff voices adopt a falsetto and coo to a baby. God came down not to thrash evildoers or crush the Romans, but as an infant to elicit love and to nurture tenderness. God comes to us in Jesus to give us what we needed. Forgiveness, mercy, peace, grace, and love. 
Simeon waited his whole life, not for minutes or for months, but decades, to see the Messiah. When he breaks out into song, the song in Luke chapter 2, it's because he finally holds the Christ child in his arms. He holds in his hands the fulfillment of all his greatest hopes. A common question in our world today goes something like this. Why does Christianity matter? Why does faith in Christ matter? And these questions get asked because the world tells us that we can have all we need if we just work hard and follow the dream. But as we've all learned, following the dream is, a disappoint, is as disappointing as it is fulfilling. And that is why Christianity matters. Because when everything else falls short, faith in Christ can still give us hope. When we are like Simeon, with nothing before us but death, we can still experience joy. A life without Christ is dark. It is restless. There's no peace. But if we can embrace the love that God has shown to us in Jesus, it will turn our world upside down or right side up. It will make life matter in all the best ways possible. Simeon knew that. He experienced it. And then... He sang out in joy. And we read in Isaiah from God's words, Isaiah 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why are so many depressed during this time of year? Why are there more suicides, more driving fatalities? Because pain and hurt seem amplified alongside the jingling of bells. It's because people lose hope and there's nothing to hold on to. What seems to be offered is artificial and unstable. But God says, I am real hope. I've sent you real hope. Simeon knew that. It's why Gabriel gave Jesus the name God commanded. Jesus came to be our savior, our only hope. If we'd needed healing, God would have sent a physician. If we'd needed knowledge, God would have sent an educator. If we'd needed information, God would have sent a scientist. If we'd needed money, God would have sent a banker. But we needed forgiveness, so God sent a savior. The greatest need this world has, the greatest need you and I have, is to be forgiven. And without a savior, there's no hope. But with a savior, one who loves us, died for us, and lives again, with a promise to return for each one of us, we have all the hope we need. I love the line in that beautiful hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Have you welcomed the Christ child into your heart this Christmas time? Because here's the thing, all that you long for in life and everything you most need are here for you. If only you will embrace Jesus. He is peace and joy and light and hope. He is forgiveness and grace and love. And what we celebrate at Christmas, 
is that Christ is here and he keeps hope alive. So reflect on that. 